Hello and welcome to Planet NOLA. My name is Mary Jacobs. I'm your host. This is the podcast where I talk to people in New Orleans that I think are cool or doing cool things. Just some folks around the city that I'd love to shine some more lights on. Um, today on the podcast, I have a, a wonderful friend of mine, dear old friend, known him since I was probably like a chi- like literal child, uh, Ian Hoke. Hi, Ian. Hi. Ian Ian is uh, many things. Ian's a local radio personality, mm-hmm. which is so fun to say out loud. I love it. <laughs> Sounds great. I'm a podcast personality. Also very cool. I love having personalities in here. Yeah. Personality is <laughs> a good thing. If you could just insert something... There's a local blank personality. You sound awesome. It sounds great. You sound like a god. Sounds great. Um, Ian's also an actor. Ian's also a friend. What else do you identify as, Ian? So, yeah, like radio, actor. Uh, in in a previous iteration of my life, I would have included comedian in that list. Yes, I've gotten, yes. I've gotten so far away from that in the last couple of years, and I don't know how eager I am to return to that as a regular practice, so I'm kind of, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. That's true. Ian was super involved in the local improv community for a while, which those that know me know that I'm really involved in the improv community. Um, yeah, and I remember I used to tech your shows a lot because you would do 1919, and I was always teching on 1919. Best. I loved that show. It was such a good show. 1919 was a great show. That was... That was kind of the the first sh- the first show that we did in the modern era that was sort of backwards looking. Is like, what if we got the gang back together of people that had made a, imp- uh, a sort of improv scene foothold in like two thousand eight, nine, ten, mm-hmm. uh, before the 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 institution of the new movement sort of moved into what it became. So we thought, what if we got the old gang back together and just just had fun and didn't worry too much. And it was about, always just exactly that. Like, yeah, it was so very fun. relaxed, very familiar. You could tell there was a ton of chemistry, ton of shared mm-hmm. experience between those performers. So yeah, that was a great show. Um, and frankly, like if I can't do a show like that, I'm kind of not interested in doing it. Well, that's the way you got to do it. And that, yeah. that's how I am as well. I only perform like when I really want to with people that I really like. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my favorite part about Live Girls generally is that we're all Live Girls is my improv group. And it's that we're all actual friends. Like we actually just are obsessed with each other. Yeah. So it's like we always joke that we've never had a bad show yeah. because even a bad show is we get to hang out with each other. Right. And it's like that's a gift we give people. We're like, you guys get to watch us hang out. Like, wow, must be nice to be you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the worst possible improv show that you can have with a group of people that you really love and trust and get along with well is a show that is fun for you. Is it a clean improv show? <laughs> Maybe not. Like, and I I mean clean, like yeah. well executed. Right. Um, but as long as if you can make each other laugh and make each other smile, oh. the audience doesn't really need much more than that. It's so real. At the and end of the it, day. It, when an improv show goes off the rails, y'all, if you all have never been to an improv show, seek one out ASAP and go to it. Whether it's good, bad, you know anything about it, you should go. Because when an improv show even goes badly, there is still some sort of insane magic in the room. Because it's still people standing in front of you making up, like clawing for something. Anything. I can watch it. I can watch it. I mean, it's painful, but I can watch a bad improv show. Do you want to open that? Truly? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and open this Wildberry Truly. <laughs> I loved how uh, cautious you were about opening this wild berry, truly. I, uh, I hate these. Uh, well, you're about to drink it. And look, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't mean to sound like a jerk. Well, like, I'm very grateful that you have this for me to drink. <laughs> but truly is absolutely at the bottom of the pile of, of, of hard seltzers. What's like, at the top? This is the worst. I like, uh, I like Vizzy. 
And I like um, I like the the Paradise Park ones. I like the Rocket Pop. Oh, I've had that. That one's really good. Yeah, I like Rocket Pop a lot. And they have the Lime Cucumber one uh, from Paradise Park. Those are all pretty tasty. Uh, I'll do a White Claw for sure. I got no mm. problem with White Claw, especially like they got the iced tea flavors. So you can have like a mango iced tea White Claw or like a raspberry well, iced tea good. White Claw. And those are really good. That does sound good. And then uh, way down here is the... Truly. Uh, it's what they have at the tiny Kinsegos in Gentilly, unfortunately. And that's where I tend to go before mm. things. I'm sorry. Yeah, like the medicine. struggle is real. Um, okay. Do you, you want to know one of my highlights of Mardi Gras? We were talking about 1919. One of your dear friends, CJ Hunt, I ran into him. On Mardi Gras day? I ran into him on Lundy Gras. Okay. At Red Beans. He was right by you. I know. I assumed you had seen him because I had seen you right you after. Dead Beans. Dead Beans. Yeah. Yeah. The Mid-City one. CJ was in that? No, he would have been in Red Beans in the Marini. He, I don't think he was in anything. He was just at the after party where, okay, where I ran into you. Right? Yes. Ian got engaged on Mardi, on Lundy Gras. Yep. It was very cute. Yeah. It was before the Red Beans or Dead Beans. Dead beans. And you made a sign that said... Ariadne, will you bean my wife? Aw, how yeah. cute. A nice bean pun. Oh, the whole thing is just bean puns all the way down. I'll, I'll share this with you real quickly. When I, I placed that order, it's a big 16-foot <laughs> banner. It says, Ariadne, will you bean my wife? I got it printed at Walgreens. <laughs> and I placed the order at like, you know, 9.30 at night or something. And 10 minutes later, I get a phone call from a number that I don't recognize, which I never, ever answer. But for some reason, I was thinking, OK, I better just pick this up. And it's the woman from the Walgreens Photo Center. And she says, is this, is this Mr. Hotch? And I was like, eh, this is Mr. Hoke. <laughs> what, you know, what's up? And she said, I'm just looking at your order. and I just want to make sure you know it says being my wife, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, of course I know it says that. It, and, and I tried to explain to her. I was like, well, it's part of the Red Beans Parade. That lady was like, sir, I don't care. She, yeah, she didn't <laughs> care. She was like, I just wanted to make sure you knew it says bean and not be. And I thought, I know it's, well, I know. And I'm so thankful for you <laughs> looking out because the next guy that orders up a, a wedding proposal banner at Walgreens that has a typo in it, you got his back. You know? Yeah. So he might feel like a jerk if he shows up and it says like, will you be my wharf? <laughs> or something like that so i'm so glad to the the nice lady at the photo center that lady's like okay that, sir that's cool. okay sir i don't care okay as long as it's okay sir and you're yeah. like but like you know the whole parade I ca- I ca- yeah, it's we'll all bean theme parade yeah red bean starts over here and dead bean starts <laughs> over there and new this year is like the like the brazilian green beans yeah, and she's yeah, like yeah, i'm yeah. not interested in any of that <laughs> i want to just get she back did to her service advantage. she had yeah. to do that she did all the work I'm surprised yeah. she called. I mean, frankly, it's not an unusual request in this city to get some kind of bizarro banner made at last minute. I was so glad that she had my back. Well, I'm really glad it worked out. It seemed like it was like perfect. You had like people there to help you yeah, pull it off. Yeah, yeah. Jessica Lozano, uh, another OG friend from the college days, who I'm so thankful for her. She's a really sweet, generous person. She was really the MVP. But we used yeah. her house. And I just said, I dropped off the banner. I was like, hey, just jump out with the banner. She said, okay. And they she jumped off. out with the banner and the champagne and the confetti. Yeah. And there's like a little circle of tool on the ground. And everybody was totally organized. And it, it was great. Thank it, you, Jessica. Wow. It turned really out came so through. friggin' cute. Yeah, the it was The pictures great. came out good. Yeah, I remember I you, you had like kind of mentioned, you're like, maybe it's happening soon. And I was like, I can't fucking wait. I knew you were going to pull it off, whatever it was. Yeah. You did a great job. Good job, Thank Jessica, you. also. Give yeah, credit where credit's due. You saw CJ. Oh, so I saw CJ. So CJ Hunt um, is also somebody that used to do comedy in New Orleans, then moved on to be like a big time comedy writer. Now he's making movies. Just a very 
talented man. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran into him after I saw y'all on Lundy Grob at the after party for the parade. And I was, you know, catching up with him. I like look up to him so much. And as I'm talking to CJ Hunt, some lady walks up to us and she points to me and she goes, I know you. You're TikTok famous. Like while I'm talking to CJ Hunt, because I went viral on TikTok about the Met Gala Mardi Gras. Do you know this? You probably knew when it happened. It's like a video of me comparing the people at the Met Gala to people at Mardi Gras. You have got to watch it. I'm on TikTok. I didn't know it's, about this. It came out when the Met Gala happened. You probably saw it when it happened. Like, okay. Most of New Orleans saw it. Anyway, so I'm talking Whoa. to CJ Hunt, who's legit famous in my eyes. Yeah. And somebody comes up and is like, I know you. TikTok. And CJ Hunt is like, oh, okay. Very cool. And it was just like, yeah. Um. And then CJ went on to tell the lady, well, she's actually a very funny comedian about me. And I was like, CJ thinks I'm funny. <laughs> And I was like so drunk and we, Kristen and I turn around and we're like leaving and I just start like crying hysterically. Oh, and I'm like, sweet. CJ thinks I'm funny. He thinks I'm talented. It was, well, you are very and funny and talented. Well, thank you. Everyone knows that, but it's uh, Well, sometimes else. I don't know it, you when, know, like. When somebody like CJ says that to you. Like, right. You know. Also, somebody who's like left the city to pursue on the higher level yeah. of the thing I'm doing. It, you mm-hmm. know, sometimes you get in your head about it. You're like. I feel like you're very much the same way, and I'm sorry if this is triggering to you, but I always say that I moved back to New Orleans because I wanted to be a big fish in a small pond. Yeah, I got no problem being a big fish same. in a small pond. I think that's that's Especially fine if the pond great. is New Orleans. Right. What other kind of pond do you want to live in? That's what I'm saying. I don't get it. I would rather make art here, have like some recognition here, than like be grinding away in Chicago, New York, or LA. Not any shame on I've them. I've always felt that way. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. I figured you did, but I was curious about that. No, I graduated right after Katrina, and everybody that I went to school with split immediately. Yeah, because um, Katrina happened while you were in college, right? Yeah. It, yeah. That, that, that was the first day of my senior year of college. Right, was yeah. August 29, 2005. So I went to Loyola for a semester and then came back and, and lived with um, your brother-in-law for a couple of years in Broadmoor. I remember that house, pass it all the time. Yeah, yeah, that was a good pad. Um, and then suddenly there's everybody that went to New York or LA or Chicago or Austin wants to move back to New Orleans in 2008, 2009. And I'm kind of already in the door. I already got a day job that I think is very cool that I love. And we're we're doing comedy and we're making theater and my my parents were kind of saying, you know, when are you gonna when are you ever gonna leave New Orleans? What do you think? I said, why would I leave New Orleans to go to New York or L.A. when I'm already doing what, what people do. in L.A. and New York and Chicago want to come here to do, which is to make art, impactful art with people that you care about, in a way that doesn't suck the life out of you and and leave you, you know, an empty husk of yourself, um, and. We, you know, we created a really vibrant theater scene. We created a really vibrant comedy scene. And and, and, I, and I say that aware that it kind of sounds like, well, there was nothing here before I showed no, up. No, Which is that... the thing that comedians and actors in New Orleans say all the time. Of course. Like, of course, there was comedy and theater happening in New Orleans in the 90s and early 2000s. Right. But it must be acknowledged that what happened in the years between 2005 and 2015 was an order of magnitude uh, bigger. Yeah. Um. Just just the sheer scale of it. 
Also, if someone doesn't want to acknowledge the size of it, they can acknowledge that the community was built, that y'all built your own world, your own community that did not exist before that. Mm -hmm. And that of itself, size does not, in my opinion, like it's kind of what we're talking about. Like for me, it's like I can do what I love to do and impact a small group of people. I don't need to do it on a national level. Like the comedy scene y'all built, which was big. It's like it's not really about the size. It's about the what you built, the community, like the the talent the shows, the venues, like that is so, that's such a testament for what it is. And yeah, what it's become today. Yeah. I think I reflect all the time about sort of the legacy of, you know, what I consider kind of be like the downtown theater scene, your Cripple Creek Theater Company, your Goat in the Road oh production, God, Skin Horse Creek Theater. I haven't heard Cripple Creek in so long. I know it's, I mean, it's already four years ago now since we did our last show. And for something that felt so solid and permanent for it now to be um, in the past for almost half a decade, it seems crazy. But, um, and I think too about, about the comedy scene, about the new movement for all its warts, Mm -hmm. uh, when it was, when it was clicking, when it was working, it brought together a lot of people and made a lot of great products we got a lot of good friendships and relationships and memories out of those years when everything was working and then when right. it stopped working you know you kind of see things in a different light well but, i think i mean that's a whole other conversation but i think right. a lot of times and i think theater and artists forget that so i'm a business person now i'm, I'm still like you know an artsy fartsy lady but fundamentally like i have made business my thing so that i could do art and i think what art institutions oftentimes fall into is they forget that they also have to innovate and they also have to be ahead of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the, the new movement, for example, that's a much bigger story, which I'm not getting into right now. Right. But I think a, a thing that they were like what they had did that I would not do is that they kind of got very comfortable in doing things one way for a very long time totally. and nothing works. Nothing is permanent. Nothing can work forever right. because everything is also changing around you. Mm-hmm. And well, I think arts organizations fall into that a lot because they're like, it's theater. How could it possibly change? It's like it could change a whole lot. Like yeah. social media, people's attention spans are seven seconds on these like apps scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. So it's like constantly innovating and asking yourself kind of those businessy questions. I think people forget to do because we're like, we're artists. We make we make theater. I or think comedy. you're exactly right. I think the the act of of bringing a theater company or a comedy scene into into a sort of fullest form, it's easy to be like, oh, that was the that was the innovation. That was the invention. And now that we've done that, we've we, got did, it we just kind of set it and forget it. And things change very quickly. Yeah. And if you're not constantly reinventing or re-innovating, um, then, then there will be cracks will start to yeah, form. You'll, and then you'll, get, it, you'll get left behind. You'll, you'll be surprised at how quickly you'll lose everything. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. And that's happened to so many of of arts organizations, theater companies like that. That story is a tale as old as time in this industry, because I think artists get very comfortable with just this is how I make art. And it's like, yes, but there's also a business side of this mm-hmm. that is if if you don't take it as seriously, then you're not going to get to make the art or, yeah. or you're going to lose the thing you've built or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a balance of the worlds. But I mean, I think about what you guys did in those early days. I remember going to sketch shows at um, La Nuit. Yeah. And, and improv shows at La Nuit, which is no longer there. It was on Ferret, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> God, that was like forever ago. 
When's the last time you heard the words La Nuit? Like, I, I haven't heard I haven't heard someone say those words out loud in, in ages. I know, it's wild what uh, what it, used to be. In no small part because um it's become or I don't know what it was now that we're all a little bit uh, older, but it was so uncool <laughs> to remember La Nuit or to acknowledge <laughs> that it existed. Yeah. Because it was it, it's kind of interesting. It the the woman who ran it, Yvonne Landry, is is a businesswoman. Right. And she did, I think, the best job that she could do to establish that beachhead at a time when nobody was doing like institutional comedy in in New Orleans. We're like, there were a few improv teams around and some people had like a recurring stand up set, but nobody, there was no like one place where you could go that was a one stop shop. So she said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fight really hard to expose my students to show business types. I'm going to fly people in from Chicago. I'm going to fly people in from LA and and kind of like make this a scene. And she did, she did all that. She did a great job of that. And that's where a lot of us met. That's where I met CJ Hunt and, uh, and on and on and on. That's where I met Chris True and Tammy Nelson, who went on to, to, to create the new movement together. And, but then at the same time, like La Nui felt kind of cringy and lame. And we, we, we started to have a bad relationship with Yvonne. Yeah, it sucks. But looking back at it now, like, thank God we had that. Thank God that she put that effort in and tried really hard to create something that worked for everybody. And did it work perfectly? No. But it was so valuable anyway. Um, in and of itself, but also because of what came after it. Uh, it's I just any any chance I get to kind of hold space for like that was a that was a precious thing. Long yeah. theater was and as sort of janky and, and cringy as it sometimes was like I have absolutely no regret about the time that I spent there in today's information age. There is no reason why these organizations and these institutions can't just be innovating and like building and hopefully I believe like Big Couch which uh Carrie my producer is starting up with Scott um they are, I I really think that they've got their head on right and they're trying to approach this from an angle that's not been done before um there's a way to do it where people don't get left in the dust or people don't feel burned where people don't feel like there's favorites being played yeah. you know mm-hmm. um and it can be done it can be done it's just takes an outrageous amount of leadership and patience and kindness and growth. Like mm-hmm. it takes so much frigging growth. Like you've got to be willing to get it wrong and yeah. then come back from getting it wrong and yeah. then come back again and then come back again. So, I mean, I'm grateful for any space that's been created, especially for like for me to be able to just show up and do funny ha-has. I'm like, yeah, yeah. give me more of this. I just want to walk in and be stupid. Yeah. I don't want to do all the work to I like know. put it together. I just want to show up and, and make people laugh. Just let me make laugh. a fart joke on yeah. a stage in front of 35 <laughs> people in the always. all I want. We had a show last night. It was oh, the yeah? first Big Couch show. Yeah, I've been kind of rehearsing and performing with them. They're building a Herald team. Is it Herald? We're doing Herald. Wow. Armando. Armando. 
I don't know forms. So if you're LinkedIn comedy, there's all kinds of different forms. They have to re-explain to me the form every show. They're like, okay, Mary, this is what we're doing. And literally, we've done it like five times. Yeah. Anyway, so um, it's a fun little show. Audience members participate, and then we do some scenes based on what they say. Yeah. And it was a decent show. It was a decent crowd. And I got paid. And I feel comfortable saying that because I have been doing comedy for eight years. I've been teaching comedy. I've been teaching kids. And they're kind of flipping the way things are done where it's like, we're going to pay the venue out. We're going to pay everyone that helps us. And we're going to pay the performers. Like, you know, as soon as, as soon as everything's paid out, mm-hmm. we get paid. All of us get paid. Like, yeah. you know, and they pay themselves for marketing. They pay themselves for their time. And the idea is that shows should cost money. If mm-hmm. you want to come watch comedy, you have to pay for it. Yep. And then ideally when classes start, the goal is to keep class costs low because that's where you're going to cultivate the talent to have those great shows, to be able to put a price tag on it that you feel confident about, you totally. know? And last night was a, I thought it was 10, but it was a $15 show and the show was great. It was, it was a worth $15, you know good, what I mean? So good. it's like putting that price tag on the audience to be able to consume it with, you know, some leeway for maybe students or people that want to have access yeah, to it. Yeah, yeah then the performers can actually get paid and it helps us be able to not feel totally burnt out. Did you ever do stand-up? I tried stand-up like exactly three times and didn't love it and am a bad writer. Oh, so I Is it because you're impatient? I I don't... Yeah, I guess I just... It's, it's difficult for me to like sit down with a notepad and think of five minutes worth of funny things to say. I have had to do that a couple times like when you MC, MC. an event... And you're like, well, you gotta you gotta warm up the crowd. And I was like, okay, I'll do that's a, mostly crowd work. I'll do a tight five. Yeah. yeah. And that's easy because it's like, hey, welcome here to the emerging chefs challenge. Yeah. Here's five jokes about chefs, three kitchen puns, mm-hmm. and now introducing your host. Like that's it. I can I can write that. I very love easily. MCing. Do you yeah. like MCing? I love MC. Oh my I've God, MC'd I love all it. kinds of stuff. Me too. Yeah. It, weird stuff too. It's great. I, I I'm looking forward to doing more of that. Ian, we have to take a break. Okay, let's take a break. This week's episode of Planet NOLA is brought to you by Vitality Community Fitness, a group training facility located in Metairie, Louisiana. Vitality prioritizes their members with accessible workouts for anybody any gender, any size, any ability. I'm a little biased because I do co-own this business. And I got to say, we've got one of the best communities around, really great coaches, really good vibes. So if you're interested in trying out our gym, go to our website, vitalitycommunityfitness.com, click the contact form, and you get three free classes in a week. So come check us out. Hello, we're back to Planet NOLA. I'm your host, Mary Jacobs. I'm here with my pal, Ian. We've been talking about comedy, theater, making theater and comedy and the ins and outs of the world that, I mean, honestly, I feel like I stand on your shoulders as a performer in this city because I'm a bit younger than you and I came back to the city after you had been here for a while and you're one of the many people that like laid that groundwork for me to be able to come in, so. Thank you, that's good. That's good to hear. The, the, my my peers, I think, um, I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but I feel a lot like what 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 was my legacy? Like I put in so many hundreds of hours of work into um, making sure that we had a robust and healthy theater scene, um, and now it's unclear what the payoff of that was, especially since the pandemic has oh quite God. has quite killed the New Orleans theater scene. 
uh, through attrition and just financial challenges, people moving away, people starting families. It looks nothing like it looked uh, eight or 10 years ago. And I don't know that it ever will. And so I'm, I'm pleased to hear that, at least in, in your regard, speaking about comedy specifically, because there's some overlap there, that, that you can say, oh, you know, I, was, I, I stood on the shoulders of people that came before me. That's, that's really nice to hear. Yeah, actually. and like Thank this you. podcast exists because of my experience primarily with comedy. I mean, that's how I know Carrie. That's how, mm-hmm. like, that's why I have the skill set to do this, I think, is my improv history. Um, so yeah, and, and I mean, I understand the like feeling of kind of being like what's left because mm-hmm. it really has changed a lot. The, the community, the scene has just changed, um, in part to COVID just in part of people growing up, like stuff is just changing. But the fact of the matter remains is that there's been a lot of people that have consumed stuff that you've been a part of specifically that it has changed them in whatever ways you might want to consider big or small. And that cool. that doesn't negate the work. Like, that alone is the reason the work existed. Whether or not there's right. going to be like a huge, thriving, award-winning theater scene here forever, mm-hmm. that could happen again. It could not happen again, but that doesn't change the fact that like you did the thing and that it made an impact, whatever that impact might be. Awesome. It's like you don't have to – everything dies, you know? Like things, yeah. things live and die all the time. Something else will be born. Who knows? Maybe the next thing will be even more wonderful, more interesting, more vibrant than we ever could have imagined. That would be nice. Yeah. I mean, and that's my, I mean, I just choose, I just choose to hope, you know, I just choose to hope and believe that like whatever is on the forefront is just as beautiful, if not more, which is exciting. Absolutely. Um, I'd really love to talk about WWL. Okay. Can you explain to people what WWL is? WWL, which is turning 100 years old at the end of the month is... A 50,000-watt AM radio station. It also has a, an FM radio station uh, that we simulcast on. This is relevant because there's maybe, I'm going to say, 8 to 12 radio stations in the country that have a signal that powerful. Um, it goes to 38 states at night. Whoa. Yeah, which is kind of crazy. Like right here in New Orleans, we have a we have a, a radio station that, that covers most of the continental United States, and we kind of don't really think about that very often. But now we will. Um, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, WWL was kind of nationalized in a way and used to broadcast Spanish-language propaganda into Cuba. Whoa. Um, it, uh, somebody more scholarly could tell you that uh, the rise of reggae music is in part due to the fact that WWL was one of the few American radio stations that you could pick up in Jamaica and other parts beyond in the Caribbean mm-hmm. where they would hear Louisiana music in the early 20th century and they would replicate what they heard on the radio and that eventually became reggae and calypso music. Um, That's wild. Another reason WWL you know, has this incredible legacy it's the official radio station of the New Orleans Saints. It's the official radio station uh, for emergency management efforts for the state of Louisiana. So between uh, Saints and, oh, it's also the official, it's the flagship station of uh, the LSU Sports Radio Network. Uh, so between LSU and the Saints and and the government, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a really big, important radio station. has the largest uh, radio news team in the Gulf South. And I have worked there since 2006. 
Was that your first job out of college? It was my first job that had something to do with what I studied. My, if I were being very technical, my first job out of college was working at uh, Cafe Luna as a barista, <laughs> which I loved. I, I would be happy I to be a barista. I loved being a barista. I think being a barista is the best. A couple of months ago, I said to Kristen, should I just be a barista like one day a week? And she was like, no. Yes. <laughs> I don't have any time. She's like, where are you going to squeeze that in? I was like, great question. <laughs> you know, from 6 to 1 p.m. on it's Sunday so morning. Nice. Whatever, it's so nice to just make coffee and see people. Make and, people's days and with just like a them, cup. Yeah, just here's a smile and the yeah. caffeine, your your drug today. Yeah. And and people really like that. Um, but no, I, I applied to work at WWL Radio because after Katrina... Um, you know, there was no television and it was sort of the, the nascent days of Web 2.0. We didn't really have social media in the way that we do now, but we had terrestrial radio and WWL took on this outsized role in both the like it, you know, moment to moment emergency of Katrina, but also the rebuilding period that came right after. And I kind of got swept up in that. I applied for a job there. I started out working as an overnight board operator. Um, I did that for just a few months before I got promoted and became a, a daytime producer. I worked in the newsroom. Uh, I eventually went on to become the director of digital media and creative strategy, uh, a job that I did for three years until the spring of 2017 when I thought, you know, I don't, it was right after Trump had got elected oh, and uh, it kind of stopped being fun. It was always, I mean, WWL is a really special radio station because uh, we used to carry Rush Limbaugh, and Rush Limbaugh is a ratings or was uh, a ratings monster. Right. Whichever radio station had Rush Limbaugh had a sixty share, you know, just like sucked all the oxygen out of the room. WWL had Rush Limbaugh until I think two thousand six or maybe early two thousand seven when that contract got plucked up and given to the other radio station across the street. So then WWL says. You know, what are we going to do? How do we rebrand ourselves? We've been the station of Rush Limbaugh for so long. Mm -hmm. And they said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do live local programming all day long. And it's not going to be about partisan politics and snipery like Rush Limbaugh was necessarily. Right. But it'll be about what's really relevant to people in our community as they put their lives back together. Right. What You know, we're going to put a, a, a strong focus on coastal restoration and environmentalism and a sort of like middle of the road approach to partisan politics. The audience leans fairly conservative, but demographically speaking, the audience that's listening is really quite diverse. Right. Uh, young, old, black, white, liberal, conservative. So it's been a really exciting place to work for all those years because it's it's there's no radio station in America that's like that. You know, let's talk about what's happening in in our families, uh, and in a way that's that's not that's not mean, um, sort of like red meat radio. Right. Um, liberal radio doesn't really work. Liberals don't respond to talk radio programming in the same way that conservative audiences do, and I, that's not necessarily a. Uh, a judgment statement or, or a pejorative well, I feel like thing. The liberal, the, the liberal audience is listening to podcasts. Yeah. I mean, especially <laughs> now, certainly. You you may remember they tried Air America radio in the late 2000s and it, um, it, it failed mm. because liberal audiences don't, don't listen to talk radio and kind of respond to like the dog whistle politics that were popularized by people like Rush Limbaugh right. and Charlie Sykes and, 
and Laura Ingram, and then that gets us into the modern era of Fox News and on and on and on. But it's been a really interesting place for me to work because it does expose me to some contrarian political philosophies that I really would not be exposed to otherwise, some of which are more valuable than others, but everything you learn a little bit. Um, and either you learn something new that's actually valuable or you learn how completely intellectually vapid <laughs> some of these some of these people are and you learn how to counter them and or ignore them. Right. I must say that would be a fine art for me because yeah. I don't know how to not just go at it. You yeah. know? Yeah. It's 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 been interesting for me to kind of and now as I, I have a sort of show, I'm the sort of wacky but lovable co-host of the afternoon talk show. Uh, He's the wacky but lovable <laughs> co-host. That's what you were born to be. Yeah, I, I'm totally fine with that. I don't really want to be in charge of the show. I just kind of want to be. In this is the what show. we're talking about. Big fish, small pond, exactly. wacky, lovable co-host, yeah. the local radio station. Um I, I have a sort of gift, I think, of talking to people with whom I have real particular disagreements in a way that is disarming uh, without being disingenuous or um, d- divisive or... That's or, the goal, man. I, like, that's my, I, I mean, that's my goal. I don't think I always nail it, but I think yeah. that that is the goal. I don't think there's anything wrong with aspiring to do that and also recognizing when that's impossible or recognizing right. when you may not be able to I think people are so afraid of that. conflict generally. Absolutely. And Nobody wants then to the conversation doesn't even start. Disagree. And it's like the conversation should start, though. We yeah. should have some disagreements. When the... Uh, when the Confederate statues were coming down, I went out to all those protests and I made sure to walk right up to the guy with the Confederate flag or mm-hmm. or the woman saying, you know, protect our monuments or whatever. And having what what I thought was a really fruitful, respectful conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And there were times and I didn't realize I was doing this, but my then girlfriend, now fiance, is kind of watching me have those conversations. And she tells me afterwards, she's like, do you realize what you just did? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I mean, I was just kind of talking with them. I was just kind of sharing with them what I think about stuff. And she's like, I think you really made a difference. I think ma- made a difference is, is a strong choice of words, but right. like they heard you. The care and the intentionality though is something that is becoming further and further away from people that maybe aren't like you or aren't like me that we can kind of talk to anybody. We are invested in people. We, we are confident in ourselves. Yeah. Uh, that is becoming less and less the story because I think an intentional structure of capitalism is to make people individualistic. And why do caring and intentional conversations with strangers that you disagree with Mm -hmm. when you could remain in your bubble, remain isolated with your thoughts, think you're right, and not have to have any hard feelings or conversations with anyone ever? Because what's there to gain? Well, community is to gain. Mm -hmm. Uh, this like savior thing of like maybe someone that you think maybe isn't in a dark place with this narrative that maybe if they could break out of it a little bit, they'd be a lot happier. Mm-hmm. That is something to gain. But I think that it's an intentional system of the world that we're living in. It's like, I think people don't have the conversations enough, let alone know how because of this intentional system of separation and individualism that our society has put us all in. People hate being told things that they don't want to hear. Of course. And it's, that sounds kind of trite, like, of course, uh, but the degree to which that's true, like at an exponential rate, the d- degree to which our 
not only our politics, but just like our society generally is kind of getting away from from having to hear uncomfortable truths or face uncomfortable realities. Uh, it just is getting faster and faster. And that is I, that really frightens me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I feel a little bit like tilting at windmills sometimes, like trying to trying to counter that. But I mean. All, what else? What else is there to do? Exactly, you're living your life, oh, surrounded by people every single day. Uh -huh. uh, yeah, my my entire like philosophy is to just be in my own humanity as as much as possible, which is just being present, like mm -hmm. being present with myself and whomever I'm with at any given time, and sometimes that means directly addressing conflict, and sometimes it means like you know partying on Mardi Gras day, but the conflict part of it is what I think makes and breaks us. And I think that we're becoming really numb to conflict and we're becoming even more people pleasy once again as an intentional system because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's like you said, people don't want to hear stuff that they don't agree with. And when the comfort zone can be at your fingertips in your hand with a scroll, of course people are becoming less and less likely to have these conversations and like I said, let them know, know how to have them. I made a controversial post uh, a couple days ago because did you see my Mardi Gras costume? No. It was a jacket on the back that said, don't move here. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. Um, I don't know where I saw it. I posted it. Lisa, I posted it and I wrote Facebook about it. I wrote, it was, it was just a conversation about gentrification and, and in the post I say, of course I don't mean no one move here. Yeah. You know, it's clickbait, but, and it's to start the conversation just to have us think, why does this person say this at all? Mm -hmm. You know? And then when I wrote about it, I was saying like, I would like us to have difficult conversations more. I just wish that there were more opportunities to have those disagreements in real life. In, in closing the conversation kind of about talk radio, it's, shocking to me because we spend so much time on the internet arguing with people right and like i'm on twitter and there's a lot of uh like leftist liberals socialists the whole spectrum of people are all on twitter on the left and they spend what appears to be hours every day fighting fighting amongst themselves fighting with conservatives you know putting putting their putting their philosophy and their talking points and their ideas out there and for for what you know it's like you're you're in a tiny twitter echo chamber your tweet has you know 80 engagements and meanwhile on talk radio you can just call in you sit on hold for maybe 10 or 15 or 20 minutes and then you get to use your voice you your get to use voice. the power of your word yeah and there are forty thousand people listening yeah on job sites and in their cars and in their offices yeah. and in their gardens. And it's such a huge missed opportunity mm -hmm. for people to participate. Like I'm the guy who answers the phone yeah, yeah, when yeah, you yeah. call and I call, what's your name? Where are you calling from? In brief, tell me what you want to say. Boom. Yeah. 99 out of a hundred times. That's all. And you get on the air and you get to say whatever you want to say. It's so wild. Huh? It is crazy. It's such an untapped thing that, that people, uh, liberals in particular don't 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 want to engage with that system. But I was like, if your goal is to really make sure that your ideas are heard and that you're you're talking to people across the aisle and you're exposing yourselves to ideas that you may not normally be exposed to, why are you wasting all this time on Twitter, Twitter. when talk radio 
is a much bigger you hear stage. Hear that, guys? Call call Ian at WWL. Yeah, please call call my radio station. Call all the other radio stations. Yeah. The power of your word is is so reduced when you stick it into 140 characters yeah. or whatever. Ian, we're almost out of time. I see. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah all right. I um I ask all of my guests the same last question. Yeah, it's a very difficult question. Basically, like, you know the, the concept of the podcast. You know uh-huh. what I do here. Um, I just want to talk to people doing cool, interesting things, living in New Orleans, from New Orleans. Um, and when you hear those things, is, and it's I like to talk to people that maybe aren't getting talked to on, like, where you at? Or, like, you know, like, maybe not, like, the people at the forefront of the culture of New Orleans. Maybe sure. the people maybe in the shadows. I don't know. Is there anyone that comes to mind? That I should, that I would recommend. That you would to? recommend to be on this podcast. Oh man, they could be doing um, anything. Um, 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 yeah, I think that you can give more. I'm too. so glad that you've already sp- some of the people you've already spoken to are just right. Like, like I love you- the conversation you had with Charlie. Oh yeah, and with Megan Braden Perry. Um, so good. Yeah, I oh, would do say. Do you know who I'm asking on is Tara? Oh, good. Yeah, That'd yeah, be great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tara's a fascinating character. Uh, yeah, very good close friend of mine doing really important work so in the important. background. Uh, um, I would suggest maybe that you talk to... I think mm-hmm. you should talk to Brian Coogan. Brian Coogan, who's that? BC. Brian Coogan is a, uh extremely talented musician, multi-instrumentalist. Um, I've gotten, I, I've known Brian for a long time because he was a percussionist in a couple shows that Cripple Creek did back in the day. He was also the keyboard player for Pretty Lights. Okay. So he's got like a, a pretty good musical uh, pedigree. But right now he's doing uh, performances uh, every Monday night at the Saturn Bar that are shockingly good. Really? I need to yeah, know. just solo piano. Which, you know, we've all heard solo piano stuff before, but you go in there and watch BC play for a couple I minutes and he'll blow your mind. He's so, so talented okay, cool. um, and just is a, is a fascinating person and has had a really interesting life and I'm sure would have lots of interesting things to say about you. Uh, about about you. me? I've say, never uh, met say, him, but say love to, you, to hear it. Funny. Say <laughs> to you about New Orleans culture. I, I think he's also a transplant um, so I, you could speak to him about that. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure he might be from here. Actually, I don't quite know exactly what his origin story is, but he's a terrific conversationalist mm-hmm. and I think is shaping up to be, uh, a sort of a major culture bearer That's what's up. in the world of like the uh, piano performance. Mm-hmm. He, he was the, the we just, on uh, Mardi Gras day, the crew of St. Cecilia, uh-huh. Uh, the the insane music the the exactly Musicians. right the band that that goes along he was in charge of one of the bands it's it's his job to captain them and lead them through oh, the streets cool. and say we're gonna turn right here you know because the musicians aren't paying attention to right, where they are they're right. in their own little world so it's his job to lead them through the streets so I think that would be a really interesting okay, conversation cool. to have. Hell yeah. BC. I'd love to talk to him. I'd love to go yeah. see him play as well. Um, I would like to go on record. You just said something that Ian is a transplant. Yeah. People on my show always are like, they suggest people and they're like, oh, but they're a transplant. And I'm like, no, I have transplants on the show, yeah. but I really haven't had that many. So, <laughs> but I years. do and I will. I make 20 years this fall. Yeah. You're, you, you have been transplanted. Yeah. Yeah. You're one of the kids that came for college and never left, mm-hmm. which that's like, that's like the OG transplant here is those kids that go to Tulane and Loyola and then they're just here. You meet people like that all the time. And now raising families here. And, mm-hmm. Well, Ian. 
Thank you so much. You're so welcome. This, this was, was so, so fun. fun. Oh, so fun. I had a great time. Thank you. I love the pod, and I, I can't wait to see where you take it next. It sounds great. Thank it sounds you. great. Thank you so much for listening to Planet NOLA. Um, if you've liked this episode, please share it with a friend. Subscribe on YouTube or other podcast apps. If you want to leave us a review, um, you can write a little review, and you DM me on our Instagram, and I'll mail you a holographic Planet NOLA sticker, which is what? very very exciting. You'll get one just for appearing. Oh, great. Lucky you. Um, and, yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, be in touch. 